Welcome everyone to The Film Vault. That is Anderson. I'm Brad Bishop, we're your hosts for today. Top five hugs. Oh, what a thoughtful, lovely topic. Something we uh, cannot do right now, Anderson, is hugs, but uh, we can talk about all we want. The hugs that uh, are uh, famous throughout cinema. Turns out there's a lot of good hugs, a lot of good hugging scenes. Yes. Are you awake? Are you drinking? No, I'm here. I haven't started drinking yet, but I will be. Uh, I'm living the dream, Brian. I'm living the dream. Uh, I'm doing this show in my garage, and it's where I wanted to do the show at your garage uh, going back years now, but you and Logan fought me, uh, and uh, you know it was two against one. Now it's one against one, but uh, I'm doing this show in my garage, which feels right. It feels good. It feels nice. nice. I, I like it. I got a couple beers that I will be cracking soon enough, Ooh. and- uh, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to, to, to not see you. I'm pumped to still be able to talk about movies. I'm right. pumped about this entire setup. It's it's fantastic. It's good. It's good to not see you too. What uh, do you have an insulated garage or one of those fancy guys like a finished garage or insulated garage? Because uh, mine is uh, not insulated. Uh, mine mine gets cold and hot. No, it's cold. It's 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 cold. But uh, you know what I do when it's cold? I I bundle up, Brian. I'm bundled. Mm. I'm bundled up. I'm sitting next to the uh, the dryer. And uh, yeah, the, I guess that is the dryer. And I got my laptop. I got. Uh, I, I'm a total nerd. I got my cinema book, which my uh, my microphone is sitting on top of my cinema book. Oh. And uh, I got my laptop over here, and uh, I'm I'm ready to do this. I'm, I'm very excited. I felt like last week I was a little bit too intense, and I think it's because of the setup. Like I, I wasn't really having fun. Uh, I'm hoping that you uh, were having fun. I couldn't tell. It's hard to tell with you. True. But uh, this week, I I think I'm in a bit different mindset. Different mindset. I'm, I'm ready to do this. I like where your head's at. I'm set up in my my de facto podcast studio because I'm doing the Adam Carolla show from home, and uh, I they've set me up with the sound effects machine and a laptop and a mixer and I don't know what the fuck that thing is, but uh, I'm sitting here. All I have to do is unplug the uh, microphone from the mixer, plug it right into the Zoom, and we're good to go, man. This is my this is my. What uh, room are you in? I'm in the same room I've been in podcasting for the last god knows how long. I'm in the kitchen. You're in the kitchen. I'm in mm-hmm. your spot. Okay. Oh, I don't like this Feels at all. Good. Feels I good. I feel violated. Feels good. I feel violated. Hey, let's get to it. Uh, let's get right to it. I, in full disclosure, too, I, I wanted to go over to your house. I mean, uh, I'm, for the most part, isolated. I'm not going to the gym, obviously. Uh, Atticus is not in school. or where I mean, we take nature walks and whatnot, but like, uh, I haven't even been to the market in five days. And I said, hey, uh, if it's the same to you, I'd like to come over because it makes my job easier. Plus, I'm going a little stir crazy. And you're like, uh, you called me up. And as soon as I saw the phone call, I'm like, oh, I know what this is about. <laughs> and he called me up because we're not comfortable with having people over to the house right now. I don't remember having the and vocal said, fry. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't the vocal fry. It was the sing song. And okay. I said, all right, fine. And I was a little bit rude, as I normally am with you. And I, I was very flat and monotone. I said, fine, whatever. Uh, I'm just, uh, I, I knew that it was going to get tough for people um, as time goes on. And it's, I'm going a little stir crazy already. And I'm still getting out there. Yesterday, I rode with a boy uh, on my bike for well over five miles. Almost died, actually. A guy opened his car door as what? I was passing him on the street. And uh, uh, Atticus was in the back uh, of my bike. You know, I got one of those little toddler seats, oh, you know. Yeah. And, uh, do you have one of the trailer things, the... like with a net, or do you have no, like, no, 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 no. He's the seat, the seat, so he can like put his fingers in my bum crack and stuff. Oh, and, that's uh, nice. Uh, he can distract me, but uh, he wears his Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles hat helmet, so he would have been okay. Daddy had no helmet, and I, I almost wiped out. Oh, jeez. 
You know, no? I, I screamed. The guy screamed. And as I'm riding away, he's going, I'm so sorry, man. I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's cool. What are you going to do? You know, yeah. it was a mistake. The film bot was almost no more. Well, I don't know what would have happened with a boy. I can't imagine. But uh, anyways, all that aside, I am going like today was just I was kind of irritable all day and annoyed and I, I'm, I'm short, which is not good, especially when I'm, you know, stay at home dad guy with a three year old. I, I, I didn't get short with him, but I felt it inside a few times. And maybe I'm, I'm a little wrapped up in my own world. Sometimes I like to try and get perspective and think of other people's plights and whatnot. But uh, obviously beyond the health of everybody, which, you know, all we can do is, is hope and wish for or like with the best of them. And, and I, thankfully I'm not personally affected as of right now. Uh, no one in my life has been, uh, you know, hit with this thing. Uh, so I'm just, you know, going, Oh, well, I don't get to go to the gym and I can't go to movie theaters. You know, that's kind of where right, I'm at. Right. But I, th- but I thought about a 20 year old or myself when I was in my twenties and, just how t- difficult this would be. Oh, you, you know, you, you, were, uh, you had a punk rock ethos. You would have been out on the street saying, fuck the man. <sighs> you would not, I have, mean, you would not have been like, at home. No, I wouldn't be at home, but I don't, you know, I, I'd, I'd probably be at a girl's house or something or like a friend's house or maybe like in the bushes smoking cigarettes. Who knows? But it would be a lot tougher than it is right now as a grown ass man with a family. Uh, but... Yeah, I agree uh, with you, man. You and I are you and I are very different in a lot of ways, but we're very similar in this respect. Like it's getting a little not I wouldn't say cabin fevery, but it's like it's it's you know we've done more similar to you and Atticus with the bike riding. Tessa, uh, we've done more um, scootering in the last uh, week than we have you know in the previous three years combined, and it's just to get out of the house and like go around the block and like see trees and sky and stuff because it's getting hard. I don't know about you. I don't know how you manage it with Atticus. We'll get into it in flick fashions, but like it's getting hard for me to watch movies. Like I have to watch them in like 15 minute increments because Tessa demands, you know, oh, a lot Brian, of, a lot of attention. Can't do that. I don't want to, but no, I have once, to. Once, once, once they're in bed, like I still get the hour and a half nap in the middle of the day, which is phenomenal. Oh, wow. I, I watch and or do research during that time. That's nice. Or as soon as he's in bed, he's in bed. He's usually down by like seven 30. So, uh, you know, I, I, I've been sacrificing sleep for the sake of writing and uh, and watching movies. What's funny is I didn't know there was that many people out there that have the same. We're going to get to movies in a second. I was I was hoping this wouldn't be a, a very long episode, but we're already waxing. Uh, you know what we should do is maybe just like do an extra episode, not even movie related, sometime later this week, Brian, sure. and just you know kind of do what we're doing right now, sure, uh, which is not talk about movies. There's there's too much of that on the show, but. Uh, I, I heard about there's there's more people out there that are like me than I had any idea. It's it, a lot of it is just that I'm not allowed to do the things that I normally would be doing, and that's what's kind of making me freak out. I've only had uh, two beers since uh, I last saw you because I what? usually only drink on uh, film ball nights. Yeah, I've, I've I've only had two beers in like two weeks. Like I, I my drinking is is completely off. Like I, wow. But I I heard about. Um, a meme that somebody uh, made, I, I, they were talking about on the Stern show, where it's like, this is your family uh, without coronavirus. And it's just a, a shot of like a family of five all staring at their devices or on their computers, you know? And then it's like, this is your family with coronavirus uh, outbreak. And it's like people flying kites at the park and like hiking. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I've, it's I've never seen so many people outside, like walking, running, jogging, walking dogs. I think bikes. I think that's because they had, there's a lot more people out there like me than I realized. They're like, oh, I, I, I'm not supposed to go outside as much. Well, now I feel like I have to, you know what I mean? Which sucks to have that kind of mindset, but you can't help it. I'd like to think that they're not, you know, going outside and touching doorknobs and stuff like that. Like they're like getting outside. And, no, know, but your three-year-old's going to be. 
That's true. Your three-year-old's going to be. All right, let's talk movies. Let's flick for, uh, actually, a couple couple things. Uh, one, Mike O'Mara. Thank you, Mike O'Mara. This is uh, item number one, Brian. I got a couple. Mike O'Mara sent a message via Patreon, and uh, you know those Patreon messages come straight through my phone when I'm logged into the, uh, the Film Vault Patreon, and he wanted to let me know about this. This pertains more to you than it does to me, but Mandalorian Season 2 oh. has cast Michael Bean I as a bounty hunter. I, 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 thank you very much, Michael. Uh, that's your name. With Michael O'Mara, what was it? Something like that? The, Michael Mara. Michael Mara. I was close. Um, yes, I have been uh, tweeted by un- untold dozens of people. Uh, this is great news. I may actually watch The Mandalorian now. You got to watch that first season because I'm telling you, it's some of the, the episodes are fantastic. Some of them, eh, I felt like I was watching maybe Top Shelf Sci-Fi Channel with a couple of them, but some of them are really, really good, and uh, it's definitely worth the watch all the way through. I know you were kind of Luke with the uh, the first episode, and that's all you watched. I watched them all by myself, and uh, I enjoyed them. I may have to commit now. But it's like they're casting this thing. I, I got back to Michael Mara, and uh, listen to Michael Mara, and it's, uh, it's, it's as though they're casting this thing for you and I. Because now with Michael Bean and, and last season, Nick Nolte, who I'm a big fan of, and uh, Werner Herzog, oh, Werner, and of yeah. course... Uh, uh, Bill Burr as uh, as an outlaw. It was it was as though they they were thinking of me personally. Well, the, the, I know that's not the case, Brian. The, the, but it, it could felt be. Like it, could be was, it could be big uh, uh, film vault fans. It's unlikely, but you never know. I I I think the chances are slim. You never know, though. You yeah. never. All right. Uh, item number two. Item number two. Fan flick fashion. Fan flick fashion. Diana Vandekamp, our very own DVK on Twitter. I would like to thank uh, Mitch for putting this together as well. Mitch Burns. Uh, DVK uh, said she watched Killing Pablo, and she said, meh. I'm not exactly sure what that Killing Pablo is, what she's talking about there. Uh, but there I'm is a, sure. like a TV show from like 2011. Anyways, uh, then she watched The, the, the Tiger King. Uh, she, the watch was magnificent. Her and her husband were riveted. Big cat people are some real personalities. True enough. More many, on that later. Many, many, many people. Oh, is there more on that later? Because many people have said Tiger King must be watched. And I said, never again am I getting sucked in. You're, you're, you're a fool. Uh, Bruce Perky on Netflix. Oh, good old Bruce. He saw the platform on Netflix. Cool cube-esque tale about prison where, and then I just censored. I did a lot of uh, uh, blacking out because he was giving all sorts of stuff away with his uh, fan fiction. So, uh, but then he goes on to say some original twists and super dark turns. Great stuff. Uh, blow the man down on Amazon Prime. See Shanty Blood, Simple in Small Town, Marine Time, Maine. Great characters. That was all from Bruce Perky. And then Brennan Tassif, our boy Brennan Tassif. It's TV Vault, but I banned The Good Place. But then I got the green light from Anderson. He he and I have similar tastes, so I jumped in, talking about The Good Place here. It's got some laugh-out-loud moments for sure. Glad I watched it. I don't know if he watched all of it, but uh, it's better than that, Brennan. It's better than that. Come on. And then finally, um, this is uh, directly from Mitch. Uh, I'm sure one of you watched The Tiger King, but if you haven't, most of your listeners watched it and flick-fest it. I watched The Grudge. This is coming from Mitch. He watched The Grudge 1 and its two sequels because it scared him as a child when he was younger, and now he realizes that they're just okay, nothing spectacular. Exactly. And then he insults both of us, Brian, by saying, stay safe, Pabs. Wow. Hurtful. Yes. All right, so let's get into what we've watched since we last talked to you. Let's get what we watched. If you've watched The Tiger King, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. 
Tiger King was uh, streamed by me. It's uh, streaming now on the old Netflix. Uh, the wife and I dove in headfirst. Uh, we saw this one on the horizon because uh, they were they were advertising the shit out of it, uh, to be frank. Netflix was all about uh, letting us know that the Tiger King was coming out. And uh, she was all about it. And I said, you know what, honey? I support you. I love you. And we watch what you want to watch. If I'm not enjoying this, what I do is I just grab my Galaxy View, Brian, which is a, a big-ass screen with a handle on it and, and headphone uh, port. And I just watch my own thing in bed next to her. That's what I've kind of settled into doing. It's romance. Didn't have to do that with the Tiger with, with Tiger King, though. Tiger King is tight from start to finish. This is a seven-part miniseries. Um it uh, has an ending. It, it's a miniseries. It's not going to go on for a number, number of seasons. Uh, it is a um, another kind of true crime docu-series. It is a documentary. Each episode runs about 45 minutes, and it follows the mainly the life of Joe Exotic, who is the, um, the, the main tiger, big cat, zoo owner that they follow. However, there are a number of big cat, zoo owners that they uh, interact with and it's a, it's a small knit group as you might imagine Brian they all know each other and there are some feuds and uh, that's what this is mainly built around is the feud that Joe Exotic has with, uh, with, with a woman who he's very very uh, opposed to to the point of uh, absurdity uh, what is her name Carol Baskin please tell me it's Jane Exotic Carol Baskin. it's not Jane Exotic uh, it's it's not Jane Exotic or Jan Exotic. No, it's Carol Baskin and Carol Baskin. She's got a, a big cat uh, wild animal park as well, out in Florida. His is in Oklahoma, and uh, let me just say, the movie the the, the docu series is based around Joe Exotic. He is the the glue, and he is a, a fantastically loud, obnoxious, absurd real life character, and. Uh, Without him at the center, I don't know how compelling this is because some of the other ones I just wanted to kill. Joe is great because I was vacillating back and forth. Some episodes I'd be like, I, you know, I like Joe. I feel for Joe. The next episode, I'm like, you know what? Fuck Joe. I hope he goes <laughs> down. And you actually know that he goes down because it's one of these um, these series that it it opens up and throughout the whole thing, it's peppered with his uh, – it jumps around the timeline quite a bit. And, and we know that he's in jail uh, while this is being filmed. Uh, in Oklahoma State Prison, we we hear, and not state prison, but in the jail there, we hear the phone call uh, audio uh, as the this unfolds. Uh, we get into Carol Baskin's uh, background and her her missing husband, uh, who was uh, a man of of means, um, and you know I'm leery and weary of these documentaries that could easily be summed up in two hours and they they unfold over seven episodes yeah, 45 minutes each that would be my question was the, this, does it justify the excessive length absolutely absolutely what works okay so we've said this plenty of times whether it's a documentary or a documentary series if if the subject is is there then you have something to work with if you have footage and behind the scene footage and archival footage you're definitely in the mix and if you have luck then you have something really really special i think they got all three of those with this documentary series and uh it's what is lacking is like the whodunit which they tried to weave in there and i really didn't respond to that and i didn't really care about like the whodunit stuff but these characters are so loud and uh, and 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 colorful like i've already said and they keep you invested for sure there is some stuff it's hard to watch at times and i did find myself kind of sad for for the for the big cats uh throughout 
And by the end, though, it's a really interesting look at um, you know character study and people and, and just human nature and how a lot of, much like politicians, I think a lot of politicians get into it for the right reasons to begin with. And then, uh, you know, they it, it gets morphed into something very self-serving by the end. Uh, and we see that for sure with uh, with Joe. Uh, by the end, we we see how he got into it to begin with, and how he where he ended up, and how he kind of lost himself with his own ego. But yeah, I highly recommend Tiger really? King uh, for those of you who have not seen it. It's especially right now when a lot of us have a little extra TV time on our hands. Couldn't have come out at a better time. I'm just I've been burned by Netflix so many times, but between the fucking bird. How box, many times between the bird boxes of the world and the uh, bird box the, is a movie. It's a standalone. Uh, yeah, movie. The, the hype. The, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a comparison to the hype because I was like, oh, my God, bird box. Oh, my God, bird box. I was like, OK, I guess I got to see the fucking bird box. And I was like, that's what I fucking saw. And then McMillions, which was, again, a two hour documentary stretched out to six hours. Like, right, I, right. I, I, I'm gun shy. I mean, there might be a, a couple. I. Honestly, I think that they could have probably made another episode or two. Whoa. I mean, just Joe Exotic himself is just, he's one of those characters where you can't believe that you're not well familiar with this guy. I mean, he's hes an insane character. He's hes outwardly gay in a, in a very uh, conservative part of town. Uh, he, he's got tattooed eyeliner. His Both of his husbands are interviewed at length. <laughs> well, one much more so than the other for uh, reasons that you learn. The only thing that it's really missing is like that um, that that element that a lot of them like the staircase has and uh, making a murderer definitely had where like you got to see the next episode to see what happened. Same thing with um, uh, the, the 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 kitten one that I just saw. Don't, Don't fuck, fuck with cats. cats like that. Like you got to watch the next one just to see because you got your you're like what happened? What what's going to happen? I didn't have that with this one, but I wanted to watch more just because it was compelling. Not Not because I needed to find out what happened. If that makes sense. All right, that, does make, that makes sense. All right, so there's that. Let's get going because I have a bonus one too, which I don't know if it was that bright to do bonus uh, when we're already talking way too much. But let's let's do this. Let's, let's get going. Let's find out. I was assigned a film. Hmm. Do you remember you assigned me? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bug. Bug. Let's talk Bug. 2006 Bug, uh, directed by Billy Friedkin. Uh, written by Tracy Letts, adapted from his own play. Uh, this stars Ashley Judd, Michael Shannon, Harry Connick Jr. I'm very glad in my research, I, I, I don't think I was supposed to know this beforehand, but I was very glad to find out that it was a play because there were many times where I'm watching this, I'm like, this is a fucking, this is a play. There's like one set and uh, three characters and that's, kind, I mean, three and a half. It's I minimalistic. Guess minimalistic filmmaking but definitely. i mean it was definitely cinematic you can't say that it was just like you know two-dimensional oh no 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 i i i felt that it originated from a play i, I didn't feel like i was watching okay. a play um no definitely definitely very cinematic stylized i would say at certain points um yeah they all play characters i don't care to spend a lot of time with um i mm. I, I don't i didn't find them uh engaging or pleasant just as human beings mm-hmm. But uh, perhaps that was mm-hmm. the point. Uh, Bug is 61% of Rotten Tomatoes. Barely fresh. Perhaps a bit divisive. Um, I did I did enjoy Harry Connick Jr.'s performance quite a bit. Uh, he was uh, he was swole, swole Connick. He was like buff and swole and like he was genuinely menacing. He was like a less explosive Dale from Sling Blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the uh, the husband who comes around and or boyfriend I guess comes around and menaces uh, everyone. Um, 
So Bug is, is I was under the impression mistakenly that it was like sort of a Kafka's metamorphosis kind of thing, or what it, I guess maybe Ooh. it's tangentially related to that, but like not really. So actually it's kind of a, um, I prefer a similar movie with also starring Michael Shannon in a very similar role, which is Take Shelter. Like it's about a potentially mentally ill man, unreliable narrator, I guess, in a sense, um, who is convinced that he, well, and he's convinced that there's something's wrong with the world or something's wrong with him. In this respect, he's convinced that there, you know, his skin is crawling with bugs and they've been implanted there by the army when he was in the military and he's part of an experiment and there's a big conspiracy and he eventually gets Ashley Judd, who he had just met to sort of go along with him. And it's a, it's a, it actually, Anderson, I don't know if you made this connection. It reminded me a lot of, um, the divide speaking of Michael Bean, like it's kind yeah, of a, yeah, yeah. kind of a character. It's a character unraveling for sure and um a couple characters unraveling and it's 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 similar to the divide in the sense that like there's these characters who are stuck in this place or choose to be in this place uh, in this small confined self-isolated confined space and they kind of go insane together and they debase themselves and i can see how this would be a very um fun exercise for the actors play well, I was a fun exercise for the actors. Like, I'm sure the fucking you know, this is a great role. Ashley Judd, you know, suck her teeth into it because she got to see some crazy shit on screen. Less so for the audience. Like, I wasn't enjoying myself when I was watching this movie. In fact, it was one of the more no. unpleasant, one of the more unpleasant viewing yes. experiences I've ever had. Well, that's kind of I think the point. I would rather yeah. go back and watch Martyrs. Like that at least. Felt no. Like, oh yeah. Oh for sure. Here's the fun part, Brian. And now uh, I don't know what you think is going on behind the tinfoil. Whenever you see tinfoil on windows, mm-hmm. but now you get to uh, you get to think of bug every time you see some tinfoil on some windows. <laughs> That's true. I will think that something horrible is going on inside. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a self dentistry scene that is um, yes, it's unpleasant. Mm-hmm. It's not a fun watch. We're I think we're going to do top five dental scenes or dental related <laughs> scenes or it's dentist maybe, scenes soon. Maybe on my list. Uh, I'm. I'm scheduled to have a couple teeth pulled, uh, wisdom teeth pulled. Oh, go, Mike, uh, go, Michael on, Shannon on a, bug on a date that we'll be uh, recording this show. So I'm gonna, I don't know how that's gonna go, how well I'll be able to talk, uh, you know, a few hours after I have those pulled. But we're scheduled right now. They they line up, so it's scheduled, and I'm hoping to do dental scenes. Uh, it was originally gonna happen a couple of weeks ago, but or last week, but that got uh, pulled for unknown reasons. I'm not sure why mm, uh, we it. weren't able to pull my teeth. All right, so. Uh, I'm glad you got you choked down bug. Yeah, uh, I, I really like. Do you do you like bug? I mean, it's hard to say like. No, I like to talk about bug. I like to think about bug and its uncomfortableness, and I like how bug and uh, Killer Joe kind of came out of left field, both from Tracy Letts, uh, both directed by William Friedkin, and uh, I just I appreciate a director being able to make little small. I don't even want to call them personal films, but because they're, they're he didn't write either one of them. But it was great seeing William Friedkin be able to do these small independent films with some great performances in them and uh, some very memorable, uncomfortable things that happened to them from a new voice, which was Tracy Letts, who uh, he's acting more than he's even writing these days. I was going to say uh, people people Letts. might know him best for being uh, wasn't he uh, the head of Ford Ford, Ford Junior in uh, Ford v Ferrari? Uh, yes, and he was also the editor in Little Women. There you uh, go. So he had a couple pretty pretty nice roles just last year. I like that Tracy Letts quite a bit. All right. He also uh, wrote Osage County, August Osage County. He won a, that, he won a uh, pu- that dinner scene. He won a Pulitzer Prize for was, that uh, that play. Was fantabulous. Yeah. Fan, 
Fantastic. Uh, all right. I saw a documentary that uh, has been sitting on my queue for a while that I've been meaning to get to, and it's called They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. This is a documentary about Orson Welles and his unmade finish, his unfinished film. He's got a number of unfinished films. This, this one's mainly about uh, The Other Side of the Wind is what it's called, The Other Side of the Wind. Um the would-be bookend to Citizen Kane. That's what that's what his his hope was. Orson Welles' hope was with this uh, uh, the other side of the wind, and it's a frustrating documentary in the sense that this guy Orson Welles, this guy Orson Welles. Oh, I should also say this is directed by Morgan that's Neville. Right. Morgan Neville, uh, the great who, Morgan Neville, twenty feet from stardom. Right, and also uh, "Won't You Be My Neighbor." He this was released the same year as "Won't You Be My Neighbor," which was my favorite film of twenty eighteen, so or twenty nineteen, I guess. Uh, "Won't You Be My Neighbor" uh, came out the same year. Uh, hold on, oh yeah, they're about. Oh wow, what? What a year! I thought "Won't You Be My Neighbor" was my favorite. Oh yeah, yeah. What am I doing? Of course, yeah. Twenty eighteen, "Won't You Be My Neighbor" was number one for me, and twenty nineteen was last year. And now we're in twenty twenty. What am I? I'm getting ahead of myself. Come on, I'm Mike. skipping things like uh, the Olympics, or skipping skipping this entire year. Like it doesn't. All right, so Orson Welles. Uh, I've never quite accessed Orson Welles. I've never been a, a massive fan of his. I, I like Touch of Evil as much as the next guy. Um, I did not um, appreciate Rosebud uh, nor anything that he brought to the table with Citizen Kane. It's considered the greatest film of all time. Part of that is the punk rocker in me that uh, was was force fed this uh, eight separate times in my my two years of film school. Uh, eight separate times it was it was forced uh, into my eyeballs in different classes. Uh, I found it very um, unoriginal. Uh, uninspired you so many unoriginal? Of, of my no let me finish my thought oh. that so many of my professors thought that this oh, okay. was the movie that they were going to teach us come on come on there's <laughs> that, so that many that makes a lot that makes a lot more sense i was about to say if any if any criticism doesn't hold up is that it's unoriginal <laughs> well one of the things you got to do is kind of forget everything you know about cinema and go back and watch uh citizen kane and yeah. try and understand that he was doing things that had never been done before and sure. it's really hard i understand i get that I, with the deep folk and all, he was doing a lot of stuff However, Hold on. it's Foot, hard footnote, to get yourself in the mindset. Footnote to that, we should point out that there is a, uh, uh, I, th- I think it's a Netflix movie uh, directed by David Fincher coming out called Mank about the uh, writer Herman J. Mankiewicz. Okay. The, the, the anticipated movie. It's all I'm saying. I'll look it up. Keep it going. Exciting. Very, very exciting stuff. So this covered, this is a lot of found footage, a lot of uh, archival footage from that era, from when he's making this, um, The Other Side of the Wind, a lot of blowhardy moments from Orson Welles. I, you get the, the sense that he's a very, very smart guy, uh, and he's always, but he's very, very, very insecure, and he's always trying, like, and he admits it, and by the end of the documentary, he's talking about what a curse it was that Citizen Kane was his first film because it was considered the greatest American film of all time. How do you live up to that? And you get the sense that he's always trying to outdo himself and outthink himself, and he's one of these guys that's way too smart for his own good, and he gets all wrapped up, and I don't respect the process that he and others of that time we're going through and they were trying to reinvent cinema desperately trying to reinvent it and a lot of that was uh the impromptu nature of of how they did things where he was literally shooting the script as there as he was writing it like the same at the same time and it's just like get your shit on paper figure out what you're gonna do get the financiers involved and then make your movies none of this like oh i'm and he even said that he's like the best part about movies are that the accidents that you never know are gonna happen it's like that that's part of it 
but that's not the entire thing. And he got himself so wrapped up that the entire movie process, the only good stuff to come out of it is the mistakes. And then, and then you see him talking about how like, you know, maybe, maybe me talking to my actors, maybe that's the movie. Maybe that's more interesting than the movie itself. And what I say to that is if that's the case, then don't make the movie to begin with. Uh, so I, I think that what he might have been trying to do back in the 70s and like early 80s, it is a fascinating story, the way that it, that it un, uh, uh, develops and, and unravels. Uh, he had a he, he had a connection with like the brother-in-law of the Shah of, uh, of Iran, and so he had a lots of, a lots of money coming in from Iran. But then the Ayatollah uh, and, the, and the overthrow of the government uh, got his his film locked up for some time. Uh, by the end of the movie, uh, by the end of this documentary, they'll love me when I'm dead. You learn that uh, his cameraman Gary had his ashes in his trunk for a year and a half, driving around L.A., not sure what to do with his oh ashes. My. Orson Welles' ashes were just in the trunk of this dude's car for like a year and a half. But by the end, I, I was frustrated and annoyed. Because he, I think they wanted us to feel sorry for him at times, but it's hard to feel sorry for a gluttonous genius who kind of screwed himself. Like there were times where he could have gotten anything, and then we went down the whole road. Like, can you believe it? Orson Welles couldn't even get funded in this time. He couldn't have got funded because the projects he was bringing were shit. Like he wouldn't be. He, he had no elevator pitches. He, he didn't know say, how to. Like, the late, late, late in life, Orson Welles is sort of well known, at least you know, at least. Uh, uh, pop culturally for being, you know, drunk and, and doing anything for money. He'll do ads for, you know, wine. And he was in Transformers, the movie. Like he wasn't, he wasn't exactly picking and choosing his projects um, artistically. I, I, what I was left with was frustration and it felt like opportunities and a life kind of, kind of wasted, which I, and I think a lot of different people will have a lot of different takes on this movie. Uh, but what he may have been getting after, what he might have been trying to invent back then with this movie and with just films in general, is I, he, and I could be wrong here, but it seems as though he was trying to create reality TV before reality TV, obviously long before reality TV existed, before the technology was there for reality TV because you need multiple cameras shooting video, lots of it. Uh, but it seemed like that's kind of what he was going after. Uh, you know, he was trying to... These artists, and, and not just with, with movies, but with... Uh, with with any kind of art, uh, you know, a lot of the time they're trying to like kill movements and and say like you know now that like Andy Warhol, most artists are trying to kill art and say like you know my movement will be the last movement and after you know what I do what I do, no one will be able to look at art again. And I, I got a little bit of a, a sense uh, of that. Richard Little uh, is in 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 this, and uh, John Huston gets a lot of screen time. Peter Bogdanovich and his relationship. With Orson Welles, all that's it's fascinating. Iran, I already mentioned. Uh, Orson Welles, uh, he he actually he, he cut at least one scene of a pornog pornographic film, uh, which is, is talked about here. Which uh, I had no idea. Come on, see. I didn't now. learn and I didn't learn anything about the people or or the about people in general or wisdom or or story, which I think was kind of the point of this at times, but. Um, I saw an insecure genius trying to outdo himself and it was frustrating. So yeah. all right. Careful what uh, you wish for. They'll love me when I'm they'll love me when I'm dead. I think a lot of people will like this movie a lot, uh, a lot more than I did. I, I was quite Luke on it. Now I'll check it out. I kinda wanna see this now. Aside from mm -hmm. the the only other like Hollywood legend I want to see a documentary on is um, Marlon Brando, but like specifically like what I know there's been documentaries made about Marlon Brando, but like what turned, like he turned on Hollywood so abruptly. Like he was like, he, he, he had so, so much disdain and so much hate for Hollywood. Like I'm wondering what happened and when did it happen? And how did it happen? 
Yeah, I, I, a lot of parallels there, and I actually get them confused. I'm like, which one was uh, in Star Wars? I mean, uh, Superman. I, I get confused with those two, you know, because they're both huge, huge uh, characters. They're both literally, figuratively huge, huge men, uh, very, very obese, and uh, I and and they're both kind of blowhardy, and they they both turn their backs, or kind of Hollywood turn their backs on them. It's just wasted wasted opportunities is is what i see with both of those guys and hearing the stories that came out of uh hearts of darkness about the uh, the making of apocalypse now just turned me off so hard to marlon brando that i can't even see anything that he's in yeah. not to mention all of the uh the sexual abuse stuff that uh came out not too long ago with the stuff that was happening on set sets with sticks of butter and whatnot ah there's too many good actors out there to 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 to, to hold these some of these, these these guys up on pedestals that's that's what i that's what I say, Bri Bri. Well right. put. What's up? Um, I was I assigned a film. I guess I'll go ahead and do this because I assigned a film to both of us after winning uh, to gambling uh, to be uh, after being corrected that I won gambling two weeks ago. I assigned us Master and Commander, the far side of the world. Did you watch Master and Commander, Anderson? I did. You did. I did watch that. Master and Commander, Mm -hmm. The Far Side of the World is a 2003 film that uh, somehow escaped both of us. Felt felt kind of like homework for me, Anderson. Uh, Directed by Peter Weir. You may know him from uh, many films, The Truman Show, Dead Poets Society, etc., etc. Gallipoli. What's that, buddy? Gallipoli. (laughs) Peter Weir. Well put. Russell Crowe stars in this. Picnic and Hanging Rock. Picnic at uh, Hanging Rock. Russell Crowe, Paul Bettany, nice to see him on the screen, and uh, James Darcy uh, star in this film, as well as uh, a, a slew of extras. This is a very throwback picture. I can see why it was nominated for 10 Oscars, including Best Picture and Best Director. Uh, it won Best Cinematography, which was pretty nifty, and uh, sound editing. But like, this is a throwback film. This is a film that was shot, as far as I can tell, on real... Um, uh, replica warships from the 18 early 1800s the the Napoleonic Wars and uh, with just massive 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 extras and 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 people climbing up masts and 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 sitting in crow's nests and it's just a throwback movie to what you maybe used to see in fact when the movie starts it says uh, Fox 21st century 20th century Fox then it says Universal then it says Miramax this is back when you had to like have like three production companies to cover the 120 million dollar cost. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a true epic in every sense of the word, and uh, it was shot on a ship that, as last I was down in San Diego, down there in the uh, the the port area, the, where they got the big warships and whatnot, they they had this ship that they used, uh, Master and Commander, on display that you can pay a couple bucks and actually go on the ship. I hope it's still down there because now I, I would like to go on it. Um, it's. Uh, was shot in the Gulf of Mexico uh, on actual water. And this is a movie that I should have seen a long time ago. I just avoided it for the reasons that I stated last week, which are Russell Crowe movies at that time were just kind of sleepy and they bored me. And a lot of the time they were like this, but they didn't have the execution this one had. Uh, I I should have appreciated it just for, from it being made by Peter Weir and the fact that it's shot almost, almost entirely on water. And when they're not on water, they're at the Galapagos Islands, which aren't easy to shoot on either. Uh, this movie was a feat and it kept me engaged and interested and I I really, really liked it. I really liked this movie and I'm so glad that I finally saw it. Yes, uh, last week I was bitching about how every movie that he was in at that time and I started naming all the Ron Howard movies uh, that he was in. like uh, Cinderella Man. Uh, 
Cinderella Man and the uh, the Beautiful Mind, and mm-hmm. to the point that my buddy Rand he sent me a text to scare the fuck out of me, Brian. I was uh, I was just out there walking around uh, trying to get some exercise, you know, in, in these in these tough times. And uh, I got a text from Rand, and he's like, uh, "Ron Howard didn't direct Master and Commander." I'm like, "Oh shit! Did one of us say that? Why would we say that?" <laughs> and it just turned out that I was naming off Ron Howard movies that um, that old what's his name uh, Russell, Russell Crowe was in at that time. Yes. But yeah, uh, this is probably a movie that I, w- I, I wish I had seen on the big screen because it is epic yes, and it is uh, I agree. sweeping and uh, it, it not in the sort of boring way. But, well, let me let me refine what I what I thought of the movie, the battle. So, so it involves a lot of naval battles, as you can imagine, between ships and, and even some hand to hand combat. The battle scenes are exhilarating. I mean, they are like they're they're as good as anything put put on film. Life on deck is kind of interesting. Like I liked watching the sailors kind of interact and like, you know, getting the ship ready and, and, and strategizing because in the, the plot of the movie, the French uh, we're following Russell Crowe's and Englishmen. We're following the uh, the English uh, ship. The French ship is like lighter, but also fa- or no, no, it's heavier, but also faster, which was a bit Futuristic. of a paradox. Yeah, it was way ahead of his time. And um, the life on deck aspect of it was interesting. There was a lot of long conversation scenes that I found very tedious. I mean, and this is a this, well, is a, you're dull, Brian. this is a nitpicky thing because it's, it's overall a very good movie. But there were some very tedious conversations that I was like, eh, "Can we get back to the the fighting?" I hope you're not talking about anything that he was talking about with Paul Bettany, 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 no, Paul with the doctor. My favorite part. Yeah, I really liked all the conversations he had with the doctor, and without the doctor, I I like this movie at ten twenty percent less. Uh, really, it could have been called the Master and the Doctor, uh, Commander and the Doctor, right? It, it could have been called Master and Commander and the Doctor, the I Doctor feel, and the Commander. I feel like maybe this movie, I have to go back and look, and I don't want to, but maybe this movie came up on top five self-surgery scenes, which is something Yes, I thought the is, exact same there thing. There is a self-surgery that is, um, and it's, hard, it's not hard to watch, but it's intense. Pretty good. They're pretty pretty good. good. Yeah, I'm glad that I finally choked. I'm glad this one's behind me. I should have seen it long ago, and uh, I didn't. I'm not disappointed for for having seen it, and I didn't feel like homework while watching it. I, I know what you're talking about. It was drawn out a little bit. Uh, this is it, it's a movie from from another era. Like this, it, like you said, this is an old timey movie. Uh, Weird Peter Weir doesn't make movies anymore. The last movie he made was called The Way Back. Uh, 2010. So you know he was a. Um, Is that the Ben Affleck an older film? director when he made this? Nope. Huh. I don't know why that would be from 10 years ago. Well, Ben Affleck's in a movie called. The, isn't he in a movie called The Way Back? Yeah, but it's not a real. They're not doing a 10 year anniversary of it. Oh, okay, it's, it's that was the Criterion collection that he was in. No, no, hmm. Brian. All right, so yeah, Master and Commander. You can only rent this thing, and uh, like Brian and I both agree on, it's it, it's best served on the big screen, which. Uh, some people nowadays with their with their big uh, you know systems in their house. If you have not seen this one, you get especially now uh, with with little maybe some of you have some more time on your hand. Maybe now is a good time to watch this Master and Commander. I uh, I I felt like I knew what it was going in and still was resistant, and it delivered exactly what I thought it would be. But I realized and kicked myself while watching. It, like, yeah, this is what you thought it would be, and it's great. It's Indeed. very good. Glad we saw it. All right, um, I have one more movie, Brian. Yeah, I'm 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 done. Unfortunately, what's your bonus movie? I'm curious to hear what your bonus movie is. Bonus movie, and this is something this is something I hate to do, as you know, and I I, I don't like it when you do it, Brian. And uh, I go out of my way for it not to happen. And in most cases, I would not talk about the hunt. 
Actually, yeah. in most cases, I would not have seen the hunt. The hunt. But I watched. I watched the hunt. I'm a week behind you because you got to see it in the theater before the theater shut down. It's true. And I got to watch it at home. And the reason why I wanted to see this to begin with is because I feel really bad for this movie and everyone involved with this movie because I know what it takes to get a movie out there and to make a movie and to hope for the best for the movie. And you don't know, you're blind when the movie gets released. You don't know what's going to happen. And the fact that this got pulled initially back in October because of a uh, some um, a mass shooting, a, a tragedy that occurred and they didn't want to... Uh, uh, be insensitive and release it so rightfully they they pulled it from the theater back then and then they're like you know what we'll re-release it now here in march and then uh, corona hit so this movie is getting double fucked and i feel really bad for it and i said i'm going to watch it and if i like it i will talk about it if i don't like it i'll just not talk about it at all and i really really liked the hunt the yeah. hunt was a lot of fun Way more fun than I anticipated. And like I said, I, I saw the trailer for this way back last fall, and I really didn't have any interest in it. I I, I had it backwards, too, from the trailer that I half paid attention to. I thought it was uh, red states capturing blue state people, and it's the total reverse of that. But The Hunt is a really fun movie, and I highly recommend it. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Uh, because Brian just talked about it last week, but it is directed by Craig Zobel, who did Compliance, which we both very much liked. And what what you get with the hunt, what I wasn't sure was going to happen. So the storyline is simple: uh, some some rich e- e- elite uh, blue state well, you liberals. Don't, don't you should just talk to start from the top because there's all this revealed about who is responsible and what's going on like at the top of the movie like these people just kind of wake up in a field and next thing you know they're being shot at well at the top of the movie they're on a plane if you remember and uh, uh, but you still don't know what's going on yeah you do uh, I think that it starts off with the text. Me- yeah, it starts off with the text message and they're going back and forth. There's like a th- text thread and you're just reading the text thread and they're talking about uh, how they can't wait for uh, the hunt at the manor and to kill some deplorables. So they're using the buzzwords that we're familiar with and deplorables, I think, was used by uh, Hillary, right? Hillary called. Uh, Indeed. Uh, uh, Infamous, yeah. Infamously. Yes. Yeah. So then there's a violent scene that occurs on a plane with uh, Glenn Howerton is uh, part of the, uh, the, the, the rich uh, liberal elite and he's eating caviar, talking about caviar with a little flight attendant and he's already despicable. You hate him. And then a redneck wakes up on the plane and then there's a, a fight ensues and there's some real gore because this is a Blumhouse movie and they deliver the gore right off the bat to the point where a high heel goes into the eye socket and they rip out the eye. A woman rips. You don't see this woman. You find out who she is later, but she rips the eye out on the plane and it was it was corny it was cheesy it wasn't necessary but it kind of set the tone for like hey we're not being totally serious with this satire we're having a good time and that's the setup and that sets the tone what comes next is what brian just said where like they're all kind of released in this clearing and they and then a bunch of guns are presented to them in this crate and then they start getting picked off and there's some really over-the-top humorous violence at times it, it, it's it's hard to look at but it's funny at the same time they're not going for like uh just uh shock value they're not going for torture porn they're going for some laughs uh and this movie's going to if it's it's going to work or it's not going to work with the guide who's the guide who's who's who are we following through this and it was a lot of fun the opening because you think that this is the guide but then that guide gets picked off right away and then okay maybe we're with this girl and then she gets picked off it's so that was a lot of fun just watching the first 
20 minutes trying to figure out who's going to walk us through this entire movie. And then once we find the guide, once we settle on somebody, it is uh, a woman named Betty Gillop is uh, our guide. I think she, Is it Gilpin? I have a, Crystal. I, I may have written it down Gillop. wrong. Okay. Well, either, either way, I liked, her, I liked her quite a bit. She was my favorite part of the movie. Gilpin, Gilpin, Gilpin. Yeah. So Betty Gilpin. Yeah. Sorry, you know, my mistake. Betty, Betty Gilpin. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with her. I, 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 she's been in a number of things, none of which I have seen. I have not seen one thing that she's been in. Uh, she's in a lot of stuff. But she's in one that's getting a lot of push right now coming up called Coffee and Kareem. So we'll see. I guess but, Glow uh, she is was in the remake bigger, of, I think Glow is her biggest credit. Yeah, I never saw Glow. I didn't see A Dog's Journey. didn't see Stuber, which I should because the director of goon uh isn't it romantic i haven't seen any of the movies that she's been in or the tv shows but she's our guide through this one she's one of the deplorables that got chosen there's 12 deplorables and we spend the majority of the second two acts with her and she is fantastic and there is a scene where she's talking about how she works for a car rental company and she can't do mm, that face that she made at the car rent, it was such a great scene. It was so well written. It was so. It was just fantastic. And and she said so much with her face. It was so funny. I really really enjoyed this movie. This is a. It I it it's a lot like Groupers in in the sense that they're all shitheads. They're all bad, and it's all they're all extreme versions of. You know what I think is wrong with the fucking world. The, the 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 people that really dig hard on both sides, and it just gets us on this fucked up game that we're in. And this movie, the only way it works is with uh, somebody at the center who works, and she worked. Betty was fantastic. I'm really glad Crystal. to hear you liked it. I liked it too. In fact, when I came home to do my research on it after I'd seen it, I was really kind of shocked to see there was a 54% on Rotten Tomatoes because I found it to be really not just well made, but like funny. And that's, I, I, I don't know about you, Anderson. I found the satirical elements of this to be a little bit obvious. Like you said, buzzwords, deplorables and everything. It was like, I know, I know where we're going with this. I understand the archetype. I know what's happening, but like I laughed out loud quite a few times. I want to get a drop. I want to get a drop of Betty Gilpin going, you fucked up, bitch. Oh, you done fucked up, bitch. You done fucked up. Yeah, she up, was a bitch. great character. And what was interesting too, like we don't without giving anything away, like you're asked to be on her side at times when you don't really know anything about her background, but you just have to respect her. And the the fight scenes, once again, I, I talked about it earlier this year with uh, Birds of Prey. Usually I don't give a shit about the fight scenes, but the fight scenes in this one were very well crafted and yeah. uh, choreographed and they kept my interest and uh, a, a lot of the time you don't know who's going to win which is very rare so really really enjoyed that the hunt uh, uh, or is it just hunt it's the hunt, the, the, hunt. the hunt uh, and I think I think with Rotten Tomatoes we got to be careful too uh, because movies that are politically charged seem to turn critics off Unless it's just completely and totally liberal leaning, uh, it seems. I, I mentioned it, but I felt I, I, I the the idea that this is the least bit controversial is fucking absurd. Like this, this is a I would almost call this movie silly. No, Brian, I I wouldn't even 
I wouldn't lean. I wouldn't pay much mind to that because I, I think that a lot of productions and are are looking for controversy and they want to put controversy on their movies. I mean, that could be coming from the studio. I don't think that there's a whole lot of critics out there that find this controversial. I mean, they're professionals, and I, I can't imagine that they would be like, "This is a controversial film." No, I I think that most of that is just marketing. All right. Uh, Betty Gilpin might be a new entry in our uh, badass bitches list. She was she, she was a she, she was a real was ass kicker, a real ass kicker, and uh, yeah, really appreciated some of the writing in this. And uh, like I said, like and like, like like you said too, laughed out loud a few times. So <laughs> if you're on the fence about renting this one, uh, I feel really bad for for the two things that have happened to it uh, thus far. It, it's it's rare that you see it happen once to a movie, let alone twice. So. Uh, uh, it's. It, I'm glad that people uh, have the opportunity to rent it for 20 bucks, and uh, I highly recommend. You done fucked up, bitch. <laughs> so oh, you that, done fucked up, bitch. <laughs> so at, one, at, one, at one point early in the film, she screams it. You done fucked up, bitch. I... I really like this year of movies. Like, granted, this one was supposed to come out last year, but it's officially going to be a 2020 release, right? So this yeah. is... This uh, there's been some really really good. There's already some movies that if they came out last year, they might have cracked my top ten. Oh yeah, and for sure. uh, and, and continuing to and, and we're early in the year and continuing to think about uh, the death of Dick Long. I think that might have cracked my top ten last year if if I had seen it uh, in time. It's it's a lot of fun. That was, like, that was from last year, but I feel like Invisible Man would have been in my top five. I have to, I'd have to look and see what the fuck up. I have it right here. It would be an also rain for sure. I don't know because I still like. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of alone. Most people that I talk to about this, about the two movies, because you can't help but talk about uh, Upgrade and The Invisible Man because they're both got the same director and a lot of similarities. But I, I still pick The Invisible. I mean, uh, Upgrade over The Invisible Man for sure. But wait, it wasn't Upgrade? All right, whatever. Upgrade was a 2018 film. Though. That was two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm. I don't know about the Invisible Man for last year. Maybe <laughs> if it came out last year, maybe it would be. I don't know. I don't know. Let's uh, let's take a break. We're, we're coming up next. We're waxing. Yeah, coming up next, we're going to count down the top five hugs, hugging scenes. Remember hugs. Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you sitting in right now? Um, a desk chair that's like uh, made of ropes and stuff, like bungee cords. Oh, that sounds comfortable. It is. That sounds nice. Someone, uh, the reason I thought of it, someone clicked through, must be people doing work from home, you know, taking meetings and working eight hours a day at their desk. Someone got an Aeron Tilt Limiter Task Chair. So uh, obviously a uh, high-end Aeron chair. You ever sat in one of those Aeron chairs? Very nice. Uh, I'm sure I have like at uh, Brookstone or something. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're, they're not that. They're like they're, they look kind of. I wouldn't call them. I wouldn't call them futuristic, but they look very uh, modern art uh, for an office chair. You know what I mean? They're kind of the netting almost in the back, and uh, they're very very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other things purchased on the Amazon click through banner that says the top Anderson and Brian dot com include a snoo smart sleeper by happiest baby. This is a uh, bassinet that like moves and, and rocks. It's a very high end item. So good for you and good for your baby. If whoever got that Microsoft elite series two controller with rig 400 pro headset, 
air track gymnastics inflatable floor mat. Someone's going to be doing some uh, workouts on the floor. A lot of people buying, um, I didn't group them together, unfortunately, but a lot of people buying workout equipment. Uh, someone got uh, seven Altair LED flush mount dimmable light fixtures. And uh, someone got four sets of Avery tab dividers for three ring binders, maybe for a little homeschooling for the uh, teenagers over there. A brother all-in-one wireless laser printer was purchased, as was a Rage Fitness adjustable squat rack. There's some uh, workout equipment, as well as a Flybird adjustable strength training bench. Ninja hot and cold coffee maker. An Echo Show 8 was was picked up, as well as an Able Life Universal Swivel TV side table. Full fuel works, red five gallon stackable fast pour gas can. You gotta see, uh, yep, hey, stack up, stock up on your gas. Do for you, patio. No. No, no, you're not gonna do that. No, fair enough. Do for you, patio outdoor chaise lounge was purchased. A DZ heavyweight bed mat and a champion Olympic crit plate were purchased. A Western Digital 5 terabyte external hard drive. Diesel men's Estico mid lace sneaker. Uh, Acer Ultra Thin Zero Frame Monitor, Dimatize, Dimatize Elite 100% White Protein Powder, Wavelink Universal Laptop Docking Station, Shatex, 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 90% shit. I'm gonna say shit. Shatex, 90% shade, sunshade, Water Pick, Water Flosser, Ohm Tools, 8 liter evacuator, and finally, I'm gonna nail the post right here, Ancestral Supplement, Ancestral Supplements. Grass-fed colostrum was purchased. Here are the movies that click. This is the last time I talked at you. Three people got the Invisible Man. Two people got Dark Waters. Oh, that Dark Waters! I hope they're not mad at me because it's not for everybody. But it really had a lasting effect on me. Cannonball Run Two. Yeah, fuck the yes. Cannonball Run Two. Gotta get that Cannonball Run as well. One Cannonball Run One. Rokeback Mountain was clicked through, as well as The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Once, once I have seen, once, nunce, Brian. Contagion was clicked through, as well as Primer. Primer. Live, Die, Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow was clicked through, as well as Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow was clicked through, as well as Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow was clicked through, as well as Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow was clicked through. John Wick was clicked through, as well as Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Don't breathe. <laughs> the death of Dick Long. Enjoy. Abominable. <laughs> groupers. Hey, Abominable and Groupers both came out the same weekend. That's Knives right. Out was clicked through as well as 1917. Richard Jewell, Bloodshot. Somebody got Bloodshot. As well as Live, Die, Repeat, Edge of Tomorrow. Both very similar movies as far as I can tell. Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. That's uh, Pedro Alvador. I have not seen. I have not seen that. And uh, I don't know if I ever will. Almodovar. Almodovar, Spanish director. Easy. Not a giant fan, Brian. Gonna be, gonna be honest. Not a giant okay. fan. Somebody also got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and why? Would you? Why did you? Bamboozled. Let's click through, Brian. Bamboozled. That is maybe my least favorite movie ever made. Really? I hate Bamboozled. I have you seen Bamboozled? Is that the have Spike Lee movie? Yes. It uh, is so bad, Brian. I will not. It is so it. bad. Bamboozled. bamboozled. Uh, that's a lot. But of it was clicked through, and I appreciate that. A lot that. of movies being purchased. Thank you very much for clicking through our uh, our, our our banner. Much appreciated, uh, and uh, thanks for getting groupers too. I mean, if you're if you've been on the fence, you've been waiting. That now's a good time, right, Brian? Now's a good time. 
fifty percent rotten tomatoes. Uh, uh, bamboozled. Not 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 good. Well, it's higher than than the uh, audience. I mean, the uh, the critic score than than a movie called Groupers. However, Groupers, <laughs> you can now give an audience score to on the old Rotten Tomatoes. You just got to sign in via your Facebook. And I'm so bad at self promotion. I have not even posted about that on Facebook. But uh, if you would like to leave a Rotten Tomatoes audience score, finally, uh, you can do that. It took, uh, I don't know, only six months for them to make that uh, possible. There was a bug. There was a bug, Brian. But uh, now, now you can do that. So, hey, thanks to everybody for clicking through. And now, back to the program. Welcome back. Time to go over some fantastic hugs in cinema history. Anderson, uh, mine is a mix of uh, some genuine hugs and uh, some ironic, silly hugs, and uh, maybe some that are a mix of both. How about you? Yeah, I got a... Uh, hold on. Oh, yeah. I'm very oh excited God. to be drinking. Oh, no. By myself in the garage. Is that okay? I feel like, I feel like if any... Time, if there's ever a time that I want to be judged for drinking by myself in my own garage, it's now, right? Yeah, this is the time to do it. You're the master. I would like to thank Bobby Sample, Bobby Sample for uh, for sending uh, some very nice beers. I'm drinking Renegade right now. I believe that they're for both of us, but uh, since you won't have me over at your house right Son now because you're afraid bitch. of my germs, um, you're I'm drinking, drinking you're, all the beer. It's funny. I was thinking to myself, like. Uh, jokingly, I was like, "Oh, Anderson's not drinking my beer. I wonder whose beer he's drinking." You're still drinking my beer. I'm still, well, I mean, Bobby sent it to me. He also sent a bunch of stickers. I've met Bobby, too, and Bobby's a, a very good guy. And we have we have a rapport, Brian. He's a listener that I have rapport with. You do not. So I feel like this is mainly my package, even though he didn't say as much. There's also stickers in there, and they were all movies that I love, such as Raising Arizona and A Clockwork Orange. So I can't imagine that he expected me to share the stickers with you, so why would I think that he wanted me to share the beer with you? Either way, the beer is mine. I'm enjoying it. Let's talk Hurt, hugs. Hurtful. Let's talk hugs. Well put, my friend. So, uh, it was weird doing the research this week and watching the hugs because, you know, while I am hugging the boy uh, just as much as I always do, uh, it's it's it is it's weird seeing like because it's just a, it's a nonstop bombardment of like the the six feet and to the point of absurdity where like my buddy had to go to the DMV with his daughter and they drove in the same car there and they get to the DMV and the DMV want to let his daughter and him sit next to each other and while they waited they had to sit like three chair lengths away from each other and it's like dude so you know for for good cause people aren't allowed to be close to each other but. Uh, it's it's it was nice to watch all these hug scenes. I it really was. It, it was like a, a almost like. Do you remember hugs? Do you remember that time when people did this? Yeah, I was. You I know? was. I was surprised how many I ended up choosing that were kind of genuine. You know what I mean? I thought they'd be like maybe either silly oh, yeah, or yeah. funny or whatever. And it's like, oh, I have. I think mo- most of mine are are at least mostly, if not entirely, genuine. I have a couple that I definitely would have had on my list if if I hadn't chosen this list for the sake of of, of why we chose it was which is because you know it, it's it's nice to think about uh, the the human embrace. Uh, I would have had a couple f- uh, fun ones like the alien face hugger would have definitely been on my on my list right because that's a hug. <laughs> Spoiler. 
the the wing devourers and beastmaster uh would have been on my list and maybe even the clown and, and poltergeist but none of those are going to be on my list because that's not what we're that's not the vibe we're looking for we're looking for 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 cockles to be a little bit warmed up here here you want to go first uh should i go first oh. uh, we, also you know what in my research i realized we're probably gonna have some crossover because there's a couple that really stand out I would be very surprised looking at my list. These are my list is not made up of your kind of movies. We shall see. We shall right. see. I think we're gonna have one. Okay. I think we might have one. <laughs> but go ahead. Why don't you? Why don't you go first? I love mine so much. Do all of it's yours? It's visual, but I might even I might even play the actual uh, YouTube clip. No, do I can't do it. Damn, I can't do it. <clears throat> do all of yours involve? Two people, two humans, etc., uh, etc. Et no. Okay, good to know. Number five for me. This is a genuine one. It's funny because I think it's it's played for laughs and it's one of the bigger laughs of the movie. But it's actually a very genuine moment, and I'll explain. I'm gonna wax in, or I'm gonna wax. So fucking sit back. Number five for me. Jesus. Phil Connors and Ned Ryerson, played by Stephen Tobolowsky in Groundhog Day. Uh, Groundhog Day, nineteen ninety-three, directed by Harold Ramis. This is so when it, when Phil uh, meets Ned for God knows the the, the hundredth time, maybe uh, in, his, in his day that is repeating uh, forever. And Ned, of course, is a bit obnoxious. He's a bit of a push, a bit of a nudge. And um, watch Bill that first Bur- step; it's a doozy. That's right. Bill Murray has done everything in his power to avoid Ned Ryerson to this point, including punching him out. Uh, but but this is this day. This day is a pivotal scene in Phil's journey evolution because uh, this this day he sort of embraces him in a long, awkward hug. And he says something. I forget. He says something like whatever, whatever, whatever your plans are. Can you cancel them? And uh, Ned, you know, becomes incredible like any normal person would becomes incredibly creeped out and uh, runs away. And he's like so long and Phil's like just so happy that he doesn't have to see him. But it's it's it's. It's a it's a great moment for Phil the character played by Bill Murray, of course, because you have um, this entire time he's been resisting this this day, right? This day this day that keeps repeating. He's been resisting it like he's been resisting Ned Ryder's and like get the fuck away from me! I don't want any part of you. I'm I'm trying to survive this. Get away! Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, he embraces him. He literally embraces right. his fate. He's like he's like you know what? If this is going to be it, I'm going to make the best of it, and I'm going to be silly. I'm going to be irreverent, and I'm going to you know make the, you know make this guy feel it didn't weird work though what's that it didn't it didn't really work though well it worked if he was trying to repel him right uh it, i think it, it worked it, it obviously didn't work in like you know changing the day because that didn't happen at this point in the movie but it worked but it, it's it's a quiet pivotal scene where phil goes from i i don't want this i don't want this i don't want this to fuck it if i'm if i'm gonna be you know i'm gonna be here i'm gonna make the most of it you know what's funny is uh you just described almost to a T my personal experience with you. Interesting. Um, yeah, you came up to because me and you're like, Brian, Brian Bishop. No, and I'm like, get away from me. Back, back then when I first met you, when you were the phone screener for Loveline, uh, by that point I was already burnt out and which is very sad to admit, but you know, that was like maybe when, when did you start Loveline? 2002. So you were like yeah, so four years on, year on Loveline. Yeah, and I ended up being there for 17 years, but I was already completely. You can attest to this. I was burnt out when you came in. I mean, you I was. Seem, you seem miserable. I was still coming in with new drops when, I, but I, I was I was burnt out. Like it was it was definitely felt like Groundhog's Day to me. It was the same shit every night with the same two co-hosts with Anne with the same setup. It was it was a, a rhythm which, 
I wasn't bitching because it paid well and it gave me free days, but uh, it was definitely Groundhog's Day. And then all of a sudden, I had Ned in my in uh, my uh, per, in, in my in my a, view every fucking night with a thumbs up, and uh, it was Brian. A bald ray of light comes into your life. Hmm. Very similar. Very similar. All right, number five for me. This is a 2002 film, and it is streaming on HBO now. If you got HBO now, you can sit back and you can enjoy a little Lena. Hugging Barry and punch drunk love, Brian. Oh, nice. Lena, I was just talking. Lena, about this movie. Lena, Lena, Lena. Le- I think it's Lena. Now this is this is why one of my uh, one of my uh, only this is the only cheat that I have, and it's a cheat because I tried to keep it pure, where it's just purely a hug and there's no smooching involved. There is a smooch here, but by the time they stop smooching, it's just the silhouette, which I believe is one of the posters for Punch Drunk Love, where they got this beautiful negative space in between their chins and their chests, and it's just a great shot. And it's Paul Thomas Anderson, a master director, and he did something that I think a hundred other directors could have had this scene on paper and said, how am I going to do this? How is this going to go? And I think Paul Thomas Anderson's the only one that would have set it up the way that he did, which has Barry entering the hotel nervous. He's, he's, he's not really sure how this meeting's going to go he's he's concerned he's he's very con- worried about you know he's a nervous wreck uh, how he's going to meet the uh, this uh, see this see her he's excited to see her but he's nervous and she sees him there's no other people in this this uh, lobby of this hotel it's just the two of them there's not a single soul in this entire hotel she runs up to him the embrace occurs and right as they embrace and, and she starts kissing him and he kisses her back it's a it's a it's a wide shot and it's a silhouette which oh, is just yeah. a silhouette of the yeah. two of them and there's people everywhere but leading up to before the kiss like nobody else existed it was just the two of them and he was like he it was from barry's point of view was so focused on meeting and seeing her that he wasn't even he didn't even notice anybody else around and then we see the surroundings that they have once they start to kiss we actually see it for what it is a crowded lobby with people everywhere and i i I really think that you could have a hundred different directors uh you know do that scene and Paul Thomas Anderson's the only one that would have come up with that little uh, mechanism, which was so effective. So that you know, that's just an example of his mastery uh, as a, as a film director. Good call, man. I gotta watch so this my... movie again. I I, oh, so I, I own the, so, I own this so movie. Good. I pop in the DVD tomorrow if I want to. Hey, did you uh, did you look up uh, these scenes? Do you have like the YouTube links to them? I uh, did. I mean, I watched them all, but I don't have them. No, not handy. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's unfortunate. I'm gonna be. Uh, I I've linked to all of my scenes that I will post uh, as I always do. I post our list on the Patreon page uh, towards the bottom, so it doesn't fuck you up if you're uh, if you're on the Patreon page. But you can see our full list at the bottom, and I'm linking to all of my uh, scenes that I found on YouTube, mainly because my number one is so much fun to watch, and it just brings me great joy. So you can watch all of my scenes, not Brian's though, because he didn't do the work. How dare you! Uh, actually, I will tell you that all but one of mine should be easy to find if you'd like to. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, you can you can do it and just forward them to me if you like. No, I mean, I'm it's good. Really you also realize, as you as you said, uh, bunch drunk love between uh, Barry and Lena. Uh, all of every single one of mine, and this was completely unintentional. Uh, and uh, whether they're ironic or genuine or somewhere in between, every single one of mine is uh, two men hugging, two males. All right. You just noticed that now? Just notice it now. I didn't know that. I didn't even notice that while I was researching. Number four for me. Uh, uh, Do you have more thoughts on Punch uh, Rumble? Uh, my top two are, are uh, both uh, fellas. 
My top go. two. So I got four four dudes hugging each other and my top two. Number four right, for go me. Ahead. Number four for me is a little more silly. I think it's meant to be genuine, but uh, it ends up being a hard to watch uh, for the wrong reasons. Uh, num- number four for me is uh, Rocky uh, Balboa and Apollo Creed in Rocky Three. Mm-hmm. From 1982, mm-hmm. Rocky Three, uh, written and directed mm-hmm. by Sylvester Stallone. So this is like one of the quintessential, like defining training montages, right? Like Rocky just got his ass kicked by Clubber Lang. He's down and out. I'm scared, all right. For the first time in my life, I'm scared. And uh, he goes to uh, train with his former dead on buddy. That was pretty good. He goes to, he goes to train with his, his nemesis, his former nemesis, his former foe, Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed, like he takes him, he takes him to the streets, and he's like, "I'm going to teach you, how, I'm going to teach you how to box for real." And uh, he like they, they run on the beach, and there's a, it's a, it's an epic training montage. Uh, but <laughs> the the they keep going. There you go. They keep so going. Bad. They keep, I have it on my also rant. It's so bad. They keep going back to like them racing on the beach, and there's like these long, lingering slow motion shots of their bulging thigh muscles, like close ups on their thighs, just as they race on the beach. And this montage climaxes <laughs> yeah, when uh, Stallone outraces uh, former NFL defensive back Carl Weathers, and uh, the two embrace in an awkward slow motion hug in the surf, like they're kicking surf around and they're hugging and, and they're dancing and it's like all right well <laughs> i don't think this ended like they envisioned it but uh rocky three's very <laughs> awkward hug between rocky and apollo is my number a four. lot of a lot of movies back then had uh the the, the 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 almost it wasn't even hidden i don't even want to say hidden it was just homoerotic moments uh you know top gun is famously just chock full of them and uh, th- this was like a scene straight out of like lifted from 10 with bo Derek. It, it's it's absurd. And then there's also a, a Rocky and Creed hug in the updated uh, Rocky movies, Creed. Oh, yeah, Rocky and young Creed. Yeah, Creed Jr. and uh, and him embrace as well, but it's not nearly as corny as this. So I, I, I am going to be linking to Brian's because uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, you might not care, but I don't want to uh, sh- shortchange our, uh, our, pay- our, our, our much needed Patreon listeners. I appreciate so, that. Going to give them, they can go through uh, these. And, like this one is definitely worthy of a, a watch. <laughs> did you see the, did you see so the slow motion close-ups of their bulging thigh muscles? And I've never seen this as a kid. You know, none of that occurred to me. I was like a little kid. I'm watching that just going like lying to myself because I was a chunky little kid. Just I'm just saying like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to run on the beach every day. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to be as as, as, as as swole as these guys, even though the word swole didn't exist yet. Sure. Number four for me. Oh, Brian. I'd be lying if I told you I watched this. Uh, if I If I told you I didn't watch this three times since I saw you last, oh. since I talked to you last. And if it didn't cry, make me cry every single time, I don't know what was wrong with me, but I was daring, I was daring myself to watch it again. And I was trying to get myself to watch it without any tears welling up. I wasn't openly weeping, but tears were forming in my eyes to the point, you know, when you get the tears in your eyes, you can't really see. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm, like everything kind of gets I, distorted. I'm aware of this. Yeah. Phenomenon. Mm-hmm. That happened every, all three times that I watched Elliot and E.T. with a goodbye uh, hug. I know. I'm, so glad, e. I'm yeah. so glad you have this on e. your list. E.T. The extraterrestrial. It's the fingers uh, uh, rubbing his back. And I just really want to watch this with Atticus. I really want to. The wife thinks that it'll scare him. She might be right. He might be a little too young still. But I cannot wait to watch E.T. with the boy. Um, The hug is so touching. I have to imagine it's because I know the movie so well and it's in my head. Uh, But 
I like to think that even if you don't know, if you have no context and, and you'd be like the perfect juror on a uh, Steven Spielberg murder case <laughs> trial, uh, you would still be able to look at this and, and despite John Williams over the top score, it's still effective. And uh, I just, I love it. It's, it's the hug and then E.T.'s little hands where obviously there's a human in his hand gloves that are, that's doing the little like rubbing of, of Elliot's back, like the squeezing, the pumping. So good. It's a Number sweet, uh, it's a and sweet it's, scene. I'm glad you had it on your list. I watched it today and it was, it was uh, very touching. Yeah, but you're a cold hearted bastard. That's why it's not on your list. Atticus said bastard just out of the blue yesterday. Uh, yesterday really? Just yesterday. Yeah. What are we got and I'm it like, from? dude, I don't say bastard. I don't say it in front of him. <laughs> I don't know where he got it from. Maybe listen to uh, the vault. Stars is where you would find ET right now. I was shocked, but the only place you could stream it right now is uh, Stars. Stars kind of crushing it. Stars, stars has, has been showing on. up a lot. Yeah, that's right. Number three for me. Mine is also a. Uh, a, a, a hug between a uh, male human and a male non-human. Uh, it is uh, also from the early 1980s and is also a very sweet scene, but it's a different movie. It's uh, Return of the Jedi, and it is the scene where Han Solo is uh, defrosted, defrosted from uh, carbonite. He, he, he comes out of his uh, carbonite freezing hibernation, and he can barely see. I don't think, yeah, actually, I think he's totally blind. And uh, Jabba the Hutt dumps him into his... Um, his uh, a jail in his palace and uh, Han Solo is like who's there and it turns out to be Chewbacca as long lost friend and it's it's such a sweet scene because Chewbacca like you know he's happy to see him he like he hugs him and then Han tries to like get away to like you know I don't know whatever he go go you know oh, we got to make a plan we got to make a plan and Chewie pulls him back and starts like petting his hair like rub it like almost like brushing his hair with his hand and it's just the sweetest scene you're like oh yeah these guys are really good friends like it's this 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 you know this action space adventure and it's like oh these these two are really like sweet friends so chewbacca and han solo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's kind of like he was uh you know chewy's kind of why doesn't chewy get a uh, a medal at the end of uh, the first one that's kind of a dick move yeah, right he's the co-pilot for god's sake he did as much as han solo did is this is this something the Star Wars nerds uh, talk about and, you know, spend time, like, hours laboring over on message boards? I would imagine it is. It never really occurred to me, but uh, it was on the other day in my house, and uh, the wife was, uh, I, I was brushing my teeth in the bathroom. She doesn't even know that I, I was listening, but she was talking to uh, to Atticus, and she's like, why didn't Chewie get a medal? I'm like, that's true. Why didn't he get a medal? What a dick move. Seriously. The writers just had no respect for him. Hey, no, Wars, no respect. Star it's Wars like, nerds, let us know. The writer? You mean George Lucas? No. <laughs> Who's the writer? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I have no respect for the dog. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what I'm saying here is uh, he started petting Hans, and it's kind of like reverse, right? Because like uh, Hans, uh, Chewie's a, uh, he's an animal, right? And he's almost, I don't want to call him a pet, but like that's like, you know, if a dog was human-esque form, like right. he would relate to you by petting you, like hugging you and probably petting you, yeah. which is what you would do to him. It was it was primal and it was sweet, especially considering that Han Solo was like so helpless. He, he couldn't see anything. He's in, this, he's in this jail. Anyway, good stuff. Right. Number three. He was he was very vulnerable. In this, me in this vulnerable vulnerable time, he kind of got me too. Is what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you saw through all that. Yeah, definitely. Number three for me. This one is touching. This one uh, will also wreck you uh, if you have seen the best years of our lives, Brian. You seen the best years of our lives? I have not seen this. What a phenomenal movie, The Best Years of Our Lives. I uh, first came across this one and forced it down my throat because it was on the uh, AFI Top 100 list. 
And as you know, I watched all of those movies and about one out of every three movies on that AFI top 100 list that I watched that I had not seen before really hit home. And the best years of our lives directed by William Wyler um, came out in 1946 is one of them. And it's a story. I also read uh, more about it just recently when I read that book, uh, five came back, which is uh for film lovers and uh, right. uh, war buffs, I, I highly recommend that Five Came Back. It's well, about so five. We, we uh, both like the documentary very much. Yeah, the uh, five-part or six-part documentary that was on HBO. It was, it was a miniseries. And uh, the book is f- fantastic. And it, and it covers the uh, the story of five directors who were at the top of their game in Hollywood at the time. And they all uh, put their careers on hold to go and make uh, one form or another of propaganda films for the U.S. government for the sake of World War II with the World War II efforts. Uh, William Wyler. Uh, end up making the best years of our lives after 19 uh, after his experience in World War II, and it follows three servicemen and their journey uh, through war and coming home from war. And the hug that I'm talking about is more of a half of a hug. It's a half hug with Homer as he hugs his sweetheart Wilma, uh, and Homer is played by a non-actor named Harold Russell, and that story in itself is uh, an amazing story. Uh, William 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 Wilder Wilder. Uh, it's hard not to get Will, uh, Wilder Billy Wilder and William Wilder confused. They're very they they work at the same time. They have very similar names, but they have very different uh, styles and aesthetics. But Will, William Wilder um, saw this this non actor um, in a, a short film, I believe it was. Uh, what was it? Uh, he saw him in uh, Victory in My Hands. It was uh, no, that's the autobiography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, he saw this this guy who lost his arms in uh, while training. Uh, TNT. He had some explosive. He was he was training um, some some soldiers, and uh, he lost both his arms. And he was in a documentary, a short documentary that William Wilder saw, and he said, "That's my Homer for the best years of our lives." So he got this actor who was actually missing both of his hands, both of his like from the elbow down. And he got him to uh, star, be one of the three uh, war vets in this movie. And when he comes back from war and he sees his family and he's saying hi to his mom and dad and his little sister. And uh, and then he sees the, you know, his sweetheart and she comes. She's so excited to see him. And uh, his two other war buddies are in the car and they're watching. And she gives him a big hug and he he just can't bring himself to hug her with his hooks because he's wearing hooks at the time. And uh, his two war brothers, one of them just says, all right, let's let's go. They really enjoyed watching him say hi to his family, but then when it was time to say hi to the sweetheart, because, and you know, it's it's a different time. It's 1946, so... They couldn't, you know, come out and say it, but like he wasn't going to be able to do a lot of the physical things that he probably would have liked to have done with this girl. And like the hug says it all. And it was so effective. His role, his character was so effective that Harold Russell ended up winning uh, an Academy Award for his his role in this movie. Yeah, I'm looking. And I'm looking that, at Wikipedia. It says he won Best Supporting Actor and an honorary award, which had to have been pretty rare back in the day. Yeah, I mean, the country was still, you know, the world was still reeling from uh, the, the World War II, and everyone's mind was still very present with that. So that, this guy was a real-life hero turned uh, actor. And, you know, I've seen, we've all seen non-actors 
be, you know, forced upon the screen or, you know, put in that position. And this is one of those rare cases where it's it's not obvious at all. This guy just he was Homer. He was very, very effective, even for back then, where a lot of the acting was was stiff, just even from real actors. Uh, this guy, this guy deserved everything he got. It was uh, very good. And this this half hug is heartbreaking. And uh, it says a lot. It, sa- it says a lot in the, the one scene. Very effective. Yeah, so I'm, re- I'm reading this here. This is amazing. So uh, despite his Oscar-nominated performance, Harold Russell was not a professional actor. Uh, blah, blah, blah. The Academy Board of Governors considered him a long shot to win, so they gave him an honorary award for bringing hope and courage to his fellow veterans through his appearance. And then when he, in fact, won Best Supporting Actor, there was an enthusiastic response. He took it back. Yeah. And they no. took it back. They said, we Sa- can't give you the honorary. Well, there's a sad coda to this. Unfortunately, in 1992, 1992, he sold his Oscar, Best Supporting Actor, at auction for $60,000 to pay for his wife's medical bills. Yeah. Sad. Mm-hmm. Which is, by the I'm way... I'm glad you brought... I went, you can't do that today. That. I, they, I read they, his Wikipedia. They write into your contract now. Uh, uh, you can't uh, sell your Oscar. It's very, very, very rare for an Oscar to come up for auction. You, you can do it. Though. I mean, if, if you can sell rhino horns, you can sell your Oscar. You know no, saying? apparently there's a, some language that, like, if you want to sell your Oscar, that the Academy has right of first refusal. Yeah, you have to sell it back to them. Yeah. Okay, thanks for. Uh, I, I read all the uh, the sad parts as well, Brian. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not really the point of this, this exercise. We, we we need a little lift me up, not uh, medical bills. Oscar Oscar paid for medical bills. Coming up next. Okay. We'll, uh, oh yeah, it's time to go. Yeah. We're, we'll we'll take a break. We're gonna conclude our list after this of the uh, top five hugs. Feels, Brian. Oh, uh, feel, feels is a. Uh, Feels is a very timely sponsor, Anderson, because not only have you and I used Feels for, uh, well, I used it for uh, a sleeplessness. I was able to fall asleep quite quickly, quite soundly, and it was a, a wonderful product. But like, it's also for anxiety, which I have to imagine a number it's, of our listeners are feeling right now. It's CBD. We should we should uh, point that out as well. It's CBD. Premium, I used some premium, just last premium night. Premium CBD, Anderson. Premium premium CD, CBD. I used some feels just last night. I, I use it when I when I can afford myself a really good night's sleep and I know that I'm going to bed at a good time. And this is how I use it. You can use it however you like. But if I know that I'm going to bed at a decent hour and I'm going to get like a good seven, eight hours, I use the CBD, uh, feels premium CBD. And it really does allow me to, I can because I can check on my Fitbit. And when I use feels, I don't wake up and I'm not nearly as restless and I don't wake up nearly as often. Yeah, I slept pretty soundly when I took the CBD from Fields. It was it was pretty great. And if I have to imagine that a number of our listeners are probably being a little anxious right now, just about coronavirus or home, you know, home sequestering or you know, not seeing people, or maybe probably a lot of people listening are in apartments right now where they can't, you know, not as easy for them to get out and like you know play around with the kid or whatever. So feels uh, has me feeling my best every day and can help you too become a member today by going to feels.com slash TFV and you'll get 50% off your first order. Jesus, half off with free shipping. That's feels spelled F-E-A-L-S dot com slash TFV to become a member, get 50% off automatically taken off your first order with free shipping feels.com slash TFV. Brian. What's up, buddy? 
Uh, we got uh, we got we got a sponsor that's back with us this week. Uh, oldie but goodie, Manscaped. Manscaped. I, I was thinking about Manscaped just the other day on my free time. I was just I was just driving around the block like I do because I'm going a little stir crazy, and I was thinking, what better time to be bald down there than once this is all over? Because I think that we are creating a whole lot of germaphobes of all sexes, of all types of people. And I think the less hair you have hanging around, holding on to those microbes and God knows what else, now's a good time to start to do some trimming, to start to maybe experiment with some trimming. And there's no better product to do it with than with Manscaped. Well put. It's nice to actually have a sponsor whose products, like I can't speak for you, but for me, I use on a regular basis, uh, not just uh, down below, but uh, telling you the armpits and just keep yourself groomed, man. Keep yourself uh, high and tight, as they say, uh, with a, a Manscaped 3.0. That's their third uh, generation lawnmower, lawnmower 3.0. It's got an LED light. Uh, it's like, what is it, 7,000 RPM? It's crazy. Uh, check it out over at... Uh, Man- well, well, go ahead. Yeah, please. They use it. They use advanced skin safe technology. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what that is, but when you hear like such a, a powerful machine, it's nice to know that they have advanced skin safe technology. And that's one of the reasons why they created this was that people were sick and tired of nicking themselves and uh, getting into trouble down there. And this thing is smooth as butter. Yeah, I don't want to get too far into it, but the nicks have happened and they are unpleasant in the past with uh, inferior razors. Not so at Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TFV at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code TFV. Cheers. Time to count down our top two hugs of all time. Anderson, you want me to go first? Okay, well, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't find a clip for this, but maybe you can just rip it off of the DVD copy that you own uh, and post it uh, yourself. Because uh, my number two is a, a very. Uh, surprisingly sweet hug. Uh, and it's also the climax of the movie. So I kind of want to dance around it a little bit, but, uh, it's a movie that you and I both love. It's called the hammer It's from 2007. And, uh, it is the hug between Jerry Farrow played by Adam Carolla and Robert Brown played by Harold Moore in the climactic boxing scene. The cli- the boxing scene climaxes with a hug, uh, rather than a knockout, which by all rights, it should, um, I don't want to give away too much of the details because it is kind of a surprisingly emotional uh, end to this movie. But this is a, a part where uh, Jay Farrow has um, every right. Don't you? To- what happened? What happened? Feel any shame? Doesn't your suckling have any limit? Who who am I suckling to, Anderson? You think Adam Kroll is going to hear this? No, but I mean, the just the, in the spirit of like, yeah, my my boss <laughs> is my number two in spirit. But it's do you, do you remember this hug? Do you remember the? Uh, I, I I don't want to give too much no, away. I, I remember being mildly amused by the movie, liking it way more than I thought I would, and being surprised that uh, Corolla pulled it off and was uh, was so likable. Not unlike Harold in uh, Best Years of Our Lives, like he, he wasn't an actor by wasn't trained wasn't a trained actor by any means, and. I was afraid of what I was uh, walking into because I saw a, a, a preview of it in a, in a theater down there on Wilshire Boulevard with, uh, I think you were there and he was there. And uh, 
I, I was uh, expecting the worst. And I was pleasantly surprised, but uh, no, it's it's not going to be uh, make my top five hugs here. Oh, it's, a, no. it's, it's a great hug. It's also a, a completely unexpected hug because this takes place uh, at the conclusion of a boxing match and uh, you expect uh, a knockout blow to be thrown, but instead a, a hug is uh, is uh, embraced and it is um, it's a selfless act by a character you don't necessarily expect a selfless act from. And um, of course, Adam, you know, in this movie, He's playing a version of himself. He's a he's a he's a construction. He's into boxing. You know, he's he's it wasn't a it wasn't a huge stretch at least from the uh, he some uh, of the nuts and bolts. He hates he hates the uh, labrador pits. Yep, there are a lot of a lot of similarities. It turns out, uh, but I, I did genuinely find that to be a uh, surprisingly emotional moment in the Hammer, a movie that I just was expecting to be, you know, some good laughs, and 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 it was. There's some great laughs in that movie, but uh, the uh, the surprising uh, hug at the end was uh, was was something I wasn't expecting, and it's my number two. I did like the Hammer quite a bit. I, I don't recall the hug. It didn't have a profound effect on me like it did for you. Were you uh, imagining yourself? I mean, back back then you weren't as close to Adam as you are now, so maybe it did have a more resounding effect on you because you uh, imagined yourself in the uh, the the hug position. Perhaps? I could. I mean, they say they say that if a, a like, good a good performance will be, you can picture yourself, you know, in the film. So I guess, mm-hmm. yeah. Guys, uh, a lot of guys watch porn and they imagine that they're the guy railing the uh, the porn star. And I, I think that you probably had something similar occurring there, where you yeah. were imagining you were being. Have Have we being, talked uh, about this before? Embraced. Have we discussed this? number two for me? Number two for me. Another 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 scene. Another hug scene that will wreck you if you're invested in the movie, which most all of us were when watching Goodwill Hunting. Uh, I would love to know who wrote Goodwill Hunting because I, I they'd be one of my favorite writers. Um, <laughs> Whoever it was, I'm very talking talented. about Will Hunting and Professor McGuire, played by Robin Williams, in their embrace in his uh, chamber, right? in, in his in his office, uh, where he was uh, counseling uh, Will Hunting, and uh, that scene is so good. It's so well written. It's so well acted. It's it plays out like a wound he's like a wounded animal and he he's smart enough to know what the professor's getting at and he's he knows what's coming but he doesn't want it but part of him knows that he needs it and wants it and it's there's resistance there's get the fuck away from me and then the the walls just break down and there's just a huge release and all the release comes in the form of that 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 hug that embrace and it's it's just fantastic. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a great scene. It's one a gr- of the better. Go ahead. Better, better, most of most most uh, emotional moments in a in a very emotional movie. It's a great scene. It's a great hug. It's funny you mention the writing because it's if you think about it, it all, on the page it almost comes across as like hokey. Like it's like it's not your fault. Blah, blah, the whole thing, and it's like all right, this is the sort of melodramatic climax. But the way it's acted is so so powerful. It's like these guys really commit to this this scene, and like I feel like they elevate the writing a little bit. I don't know. I, I feel like the magic is in the acting, but we're we're splitting hairs. It's a great scene. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm thinking about the blocking too, just like with like the way that Robin Williams was approaching Will was almost like a uh, maybe this is top of mind because I just saw Tiger King, but like he he was approaching him almost like with caution, like he's a wild animal, and that's kind of the vibe that it had. 
and I, I think of that as writing, like the, the the way that they approach the scene to to direct the scene. Gus Van Sant directed the scene is like one is very volatile and and a wild card and can go in any direction and Robin Williams was just very very calm and it's approaching always getting a little bit closer but trying not to uh you know uh, startle the uh, the wild animal who was literally being cornered it was it really played out beautifully it was a fantastic scene that ended with a, a hug that was very important Indeed. this is very different from my number one very very different from my number one now I'm really interested no crossover so far I don't I would be surprised if your number one was my number one, but I love this scene from Fight Club where Cornelius and Bob embrace in the uh, in the men. What is it called? Of men without something, men men being men or something like that. I forget. It's, it's a support group for men who lost their testicles. <laughs> and uh, uh, Cornelius, uh, his alias, Ed Norton's not alias, funny, in bro. the scene. What? What's not funny? Men who have lost their testicles. I mean, it's just it's just not funny. Fair, fair enough. Uh, Cornelius, Ed Norton's alias uh, in, in this scene, he, he has trouble sleeping, right? He's an insomniac. He just goes to these, uh, he's a tourist, he, as they say. He goes to these, uh, he goes to these uh, support groups just to feel something, to feel anything. And at this one, he goes and um, Bob, played by, Bob has bitch tits. And he goes, uh, he, he used to be a juicer, as, as, he, as, he, as he explains. He explains he used to be a juicer. He used to take all sorts of steroids. And uh, now he is suffering the consequences with uh, no test and giant breasts and uh, he embra- he pulls Cornelius into his breasts like between he, he forces him to motorboat him and uh, Cornelius uh, give, gives in to the, uh, to the emotion of the moment and he actually produces tears and uh, the scene magnificently ends with uh, with a smash cut to Ed Norton like actually sleeping and it says babies don't sleep this well it's fantastic mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, you can turn your phone. I, it's on my also ran. It's oh, on my also yeah. ran. It's uh, it's 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 a it's a fun scene. It's just it's. I think my, I don't. It's 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 demanding that you laugh, and I don't know. There's something that's so so like cool guy about it that it kind of rubs me the wrong way. Oh, you think so? Interesting. Um, I I I had no trouble. I like laughing. it. I like it. <laughs> But it's it's very broy, I guess. Like bros are gonna love this. But same with my number one. My number one is but very broy too, I guess. But I guess we could we could do a deeper dive on Fight Club some other time. But it's certainly been examined by any number of people. But like the broiness in this movie is very subversive. It's like like bros like almost like homoerotically embracing each other, fighting with their shirts off, and there is a lot of subversion to that broiness. Yeah, I'm resistant to this movie, and I and I should love it. And when I saw it in the theaters, I was like blown away, like everybody else. And then I didn't see it again for years and years. And I, for for whatever reason, I, I kept going back to see Seven, but I didn't go back to see Fight Club. Then I finally watched it again a few years ago, and I'm just I, I, there's something I think that I'm supposed to like it, so it bugs me. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's just, I, I, I mean, I watched that scene this week as well. And he was like looking, Ed Norton's looking right at the camera and he had bitch tits. It's like, uh, there's something, I don't know. <laughs> All right, my number one. <laughs> my number one is a movie that I was uh, kind of opposite of uh, the old Fight Club over there. This is a movie that I was resistant to uh, when I first saw it in the theaters and uh, was told that it's much funnier, as are most comedies. 
funnier the second, third, fourth, fifth time around. The more you watch them, the more you like them. This came out in 2008. It's about, oh, I should also, let me go back real quick. Oh, no, that's going to interrupt everything. This one's available on Netflix. We can all enjoy Step Brothers right now if we like. Enjoy some Step Brothers. It'll take your mind off of everything. My God, does Step Brothers have some fucking phenomenal comedic scenes. Oh, and yeah. This one where Brennan and Derek brothers real brothers not stepbrothers real brothers played by will ferrell and adam scott finally embrace and it is not not uh, uh natural at all i'm gonna try and play this scene and i will just lay in the actual audio i love it that much brian uh here we go i'm just gonna put my mic up to the uh the, the speaker and we'll, we'll play a little bit of it uh where they where they try and hug all right it's a minute and 16 is the full scene i won't let it run that long but uh let, let's get to the uh the, the, the initial contact all right you ready let's do, let's do it amazing we are so proud of you both thank you incredible okay so i made my quota yeah we sold a shit ton of copters that's so good look i I'm not great at this Hallmark stuff, but uh, Brennan, when I look at you now, I, I don't want to kick you in the head quite as much. Thanks, man. That was beautiful. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do we do now? We could hug. Yeah, you'd like that, faggot. I'm sorry. I think I think I'm most perfectly synced up with you. <laughs> the high five. No, you're not. You're not. If they're already at the high five, you're about no, no. Uh, I, 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 ten. No, I, I said, and then the high five. I was uh, I was watching it along with you, pretty much. Adam Adam Scott with his mouth open. It's just, it's a hug that never really quite becomes a, a, what we know as a hug, but it's the closest <laughs> thing those two brothers are probably ever going to have as a hug. And uh, just his initial homophobia is so fucking funny to me. And it's just so awkward. And it's a hug that continues. It just it keeps going. Now, I could have easily had uh, Will and the professor, uh, you know, at, uh, McGuire at uh, my number one. But th- this one brought me more joy. It sparked more joy. So I had it number one, Brad. Well done. All right. All right. Are we going to do the listener list? You accept that? I like that. No, I have yeah, no let's do it. With that. Uh, listener list goes like this. And I would like to thank uh, Jordan wholeheartedly for putting this listener list together. Boo and Sully come in at number five with, in Monsters, Inc. You wow. know what? There's also a... Uh, there's also... Yeah, there's a couple hugs in that, but the Boo and Sully uh, is, is very touching. Yes, That's that right. was five uh, percent of the overall. Big Bob uh, in in Fight Club, which was your number one, Brian. Chris Farley and Rob Lowe and Tommy Boy. <laughs> Brothers got Black a Sheep's hug. a better. Black Sheep's a better of those two films. So if you have to, you know, pick a pick a favorite. One that I can't believe is not on your list. Number two for the listeners is Michael and Fredo. Fredo. In Godfather 2. I'm shocked it's not on your list. You know why I discounted it? Because uh, it, it, it's more famous for the kiss, the, the Italian kiss of death. That, that's, that's a kiss, and then then he tries to hug him. Like I, that, that's, that's, a, that's a kissing scene. I felt like it was a goodbye hug, much like E.T. and Elliot. Kissing scene. It's a, it's a goodbye. Goodbye hug. Goodbye embrace. Goodbye where he lets him know this is the last contact. Literally a goodbye kiss. 
Well, it's literally like he's, he's, he's got his arms around him. Number one for the listeners is Matt Damon and Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. 18% of the overall vote and 37% of the top five. Did you say five there? Boomskies. I, I thought I heard you say four. What? I thought you said Monsters, Inc. You said... Uh, uh, Big uh, Bob, Fight Club. Oh, uh, yeah. You said, you said Tommy Boy. That's right. Okay. Chris Farley and Rob Lowe. That's right. Michael and Fredo. You want me to make a sixth for you? <laughs> I, I mean, I could. What was your number one, Brian? Uh, Fight Club. Big Bob. That's Big right. Bob, yeah. Bob Esbistens. Yeah, well, what was your, what was your uh, number two? Uh, one to five was uh, Fight Club, uh, The Hammer, Return of the Jedi, Rocky III. Oh, uh, that's right. Okay, I've heard. And Hungry Red Hog Day. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. Uh, also, rents from you, my friend. What has what it mentioned? I, I, I couldn't find the clip. But, uh, never mind. Forget about that one. Uh, uh, Shawshank kind of has a great one at the end, but it's, I've mentioned that ending scene too many times. Uh, but, very, uh, very uh, wide shot. Too. You can barely see them. And uh, there's a very there's a very sweet tender one between uh, Laura Linney and her uh, retarded brother in uh, Love Actually. It's mentally challenged, Brian. What did I say? You said the other. Um, all right. Anything else? No, everything else has been mentioned. I have Monsters Inc. and Tommy Boy and uh, Good Will Hunting ET. Yeah, all, all the biggies. Forrest Gump and Jenny in uh, Forrest Gump. Uh, that was a, a long time coming when they, uh, you know, I think it's more touching than the actual sex scene, which uh, we didn't really see. Uh, Major League, there's some good uh, hugs in there. Uh, Fight Club, which has already been mentioned. Walter and the Dude and Big Lebowski. It's um, it's Walter trying to be affectionate, oh, trying yeah. to be nurturing in a time of need. And it <laughs> 12 Years a Slave, um, there was a, 12, a, a, a hug, an embrace, a, a reunion that was 12 years in the coming that uh, uh, we see in 12 Years a Slave. Uh, Rocky Three was already mentioned. Warrior, I love the idea of the hug in Warrior, uh, but the movie is just hokey, and that scene is actually hokey too. Uh, it's just hoke, hoke. Man on Fire, a great, a great hug scene. Denzel and uh, Dakota Fanon, yes, Man on Fire, a really fun movie. But I call that a guilty pleasure. I might. And you, then you, uh, you Titanic. Should. You should. Titanic, King of the World. Uh, it's a uh, it's a backwards hug, but uh, it's a hug nonetheless, and it's an iconic scene. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that's my also rants. Yeah, that uh, yeah that, that counts as a hug for sure. It's an embrace. All right, you ready to? Uh, you know what we did? What, what we're terrible at, and uh, I, I feel bad because Jordan's busting his ass getting our Instagram up and running, and he's putting some really good stuff over there. And he uh, he came up with some great questions that came through Instagram that you're being resistant to, and it's very upsetting to me. But we have some very good questions that came through our Instagram, and Brian keeps saying, "Ah, oh, we'll do it next week. Ah, oh, we'll do it next week." You want to do it next week? Let's do it next week. All right, we'll do it next week. But uh, we have an Instagram. It's Anderson and Brian, at Anderson and Brian, and it's another good way to uh, follow the uh, the program. And you see the uh, the listener art every week there. And uh, we're gonna once we're allowed to be in the same room again, we will uh, start to do some fun stuff in, in the kitchen and or my garage, depending on where we land. But uh, it's, a, it's a good spot. And uh, Jordan's doing the Lord's work over there. All right. Giovanni uh, is doing the Lord's work and keeping the gambling going. Not sure how it's going to work. I did see a couple emails came in for ideas for new ways to do gambling uh, in, in these times. 
in these end times, Brian. I have not opened those emails. I'm behind on the emails. But uh, for the time being, we're going to continue to do the gambling that we've been doing the way we've been doing it. Do it. Even though it's, uh, it's, it's weird. It's weird, right? So results from gambling from last week. Opening now. Um, we said blue story. Oh, shit. I said 65. Yeah. You said 53. It's 92%. <laughs> Jesus. 92%. So that means it's 30% better than the hunt. That's absurd. That's what that means. So that means that I won. And I had a movie that I wanted you to watch earlier tonight. Oh, take your time. I forgot it. All right. Why don't you uh, set up the rest, then I'll come up with uh, what you're going to watch. Oh, you want me to read Gio's emails? I never do this. All right, let me look at uh, uh, current uh, this week's movies for gambling. Uh, yes. Okay, here we go. Blah, blah. We have, oh boy, I literally don't recognize any of these. St. Maud, Lazy Susan, Mr. Jones, The Other Lamb, or Sell By. Yeah, we're going to have to come up with uh, some new uh, new ways of doing this. I, I literally don't recognize not, a single one of these. This is not working. Yeah. This is tough. Do you know what any of these are? No. Uh, I don't, and I and I read about every single movie that was supposed to be released in March, uh, for the for the sake of cinematics, and none of these are ringing bells, at all. This is hmm. a problem. Uh, what are we to do? I, I guess we got to pick one of them and just go blind. This is it feels. I feel so unsatisfied. What? What did you just say? I, I'm having a hard time. That here. was that was uh, that was Teddy KGB from Rounders. I feel so unsatisfied. Oh, you know why I don't know these? It's because I've not uh, covered April yet, so I've not read about April, and that could be. Are these April releases? Yeah, April third is the next Friday. Well, it should be. Well, it this should be Friday, this Friday. Right? Right? It should be what's coming out. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe just St. Maud is coming in. Everything's up in the fucking air. You know what I mean? I don't know what's going on. When that guy ate that bat in Wuhan, he had he did not give a shit about our gambling issues. He didn't think about it. He didn't, he didn't think about it. He didn't look at the big picture. I feel like that guy should be identified, <laughs> dead or not. And uh he should uh he should have to apologize posthumously, if need be, uh, for what he's done to our gambling. Yeah, his heirs should have to apologize. His heirs. Can you imagine? <laughs> All right, what do we do? I don't. I don't feel. Com- I don't feel comfortable gambling on on this at all. Well, I, we got to do something. We're like we're flipping coins at this point. No, I, well, we are at least talking about movies. But I don't know what any of these movies are. Oh boy. No. Um. Should we gamble on an old hmm. movie? Hmm. 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 Interesting. 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 Hmm. All right, you got you got one in mind, something that's germane to what we've been talking about. I really wish I had thought of it. What did I talk about this week? Well, you know what? We you know what we should do? We should do Rocky Three. I have no idea what the score is. It could be thirty or it could be eighty. I, I honestly don't know. Hmm. Rocky three. All right, you know what? Good pull. I commend you for some good work there, Brian. Well, well done. Uh, yeah, let's do Rocky Three. Let me let me think about this for a second. <clears throat> all right, I got one. I got a number. I think this might be too high. Uh, all right, fuck it. Uh, what, what's your number? All right, on three. Yeah. One, two, seventy-six. Sixty-four. Oh, sorry, sixty-four. 
Okay, hold on. I got to Google this shit. Rocky three. What is Rocky three? All right, let's uh, go to the Wikipedia page here and go all the way down to the bottom. Clubbling. Critical reception. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> no, no. Laughter always means low. You laugh at low. No. <laughs> you know what? You know what? I If you accuse me of cheating, I'm just going to go along with it. 64. <laughs> It's 64. See, you are kind of diabolical. It's you are 64 kind of diabolical. So, like, if you didn't want to get caught, like, you might go that far as just go like, right dead on. I don't know. Like, what to, I, don't, I would never accuse. I don't know what to tell you, man. 64. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, nice. All right. You know what you're going to be watching this week? What's that? Let me tell you. Let me let me tell you. Is it will let be, me, will be as, me, as good as Bug? Let me tell you a, a thing or two. A thing or two about a thing or two. Uh, uh Shit, I had a good one too. I had a good one. Well, I had a good one. I tell you. Oh, I, I got one. It, easy. Uh, the platform. The platform. Oh, okay. I, I've Actually. seen it. I'm not going to flick fast five movies this week. So uh, Tiger King being, uh, you know, like three movies in one. So uh, I did not get to the platform. A platform. The platform I, I recommend. It's streaming now on the old Netflix. And uh, you and I are going to be talking about. I'm. I'm super. I'm super glad you assigned that to me because someone literally just before I was uh, I logged on here to do the show with you tweeted me like, "Dude, you have to see the platform." Like, all right, I, I had never heard of it, and I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, Spanish film, Netflix. It's, it looks kind of interesting. I'll I'll check this out." Yes, looks, looks kind of uh, Snowpiercer. Looks, these- looks a little Snowpiercery. Yeah, my, as my buddy Eric uh, put it, it's uh, Snowpiercer meets Cube. Oh, sweet. And as Bruce per, uh, Berkey said uh, a lot, which I, did, I I omitted because I didn't want to give too much away, knowing that we were going to be talking about it next week. Plus, I think people should watch this. It's a, it's a I don't want to call it a fun watch. It's pretty tough to watch at times, but uh, it's it's kind of a, a lot of parallels with the hunt as well. So Sweet. we will be watching, or you will be watching uh, the platform. Will do. I, I, I when I when I first uh, saw the uh, the title uh, a few weeks ago when I saw you know upcoming movies and I was researching, I'm like, oh no, did they make an entire documentary about Kanye West tour? <laughs> I I didn't think that, but maybe. I really thought that. I I truly believe that it was a, a documentary about his uh, his tour where he was on that floating platform. Remember that? And then it broke and it almost killed a bunch of people. <laughs> Pretty sweet. All right, let's get out of here. Is that it? That's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you to, uh, who is our listener? Carlos Pump, Pump, what is it? Pompey? Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Take a look at that. Three weeks in a row. Oh, that's three uh, shows in a row. That's a pretty accurate depiction of me, actually, so I'm actually pretty flattered. Uh, thank you, Carlos, for the uh, listener art this week. Check it out, AndersonandBrian.com. And check it, three shows in a row. We've had uh, we've had we've had Mad Max uh, related themed uh, listener art. Pretty good. Yeah. God willing, it'll be on our Instagram and uh, social media, The Film Vault on Facebook and Twitter at Anderson and Brian uh, over on Instagram. Uh, to, uh, thanks to AIDS Monkey and Hard Pipe Hitters. They're our featured artists this week. And uh, who else? Yeah, Geo, Jordan, Mitch, uh, Mike. <laughs> people say, why do you say Mike Cole? I'm like, well, I don't know. It just feels like a... Some people's f- full name feels like there should be just the, the name you call them. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Can't explain it. Thanks, Mike Cole. Kind of uh, like, Pe- like Pekka Rene. I never hear anyone to say Rene or, or Pekka. It's always Pekka Rene. Is that a hockey thing? I don't know what that is. Yeah, very, very good guess. He's a uh, he's he's a goaltender for the Nashville Predators, and I've never heard anyone just say Rene or or Pekka. It's always Pekka Rene. So yeah, if we do this bonus, we do this bonus episode. Should it be Patreon or should it be everyone? I feel like right now, I mean, I'm we're still giving extra stuff to the the Patreon. Uh, I I just posted uh, one of these. It's the second to last episode that we did before the Orange Couch Days, which was top five druggies. I put that up there. Uh, on Patreon last week, I'll be putting up the last one of the uh, po- the, the pre Orange Couch days. Uh, then I'll be putting up the last known ninety seven point one show that I have access to up this week on Patreon. Uh, I'm still feeding Patreon a whole lot of stuff. They have uh, all of our lists uh, week in, week out, including this week uh, with clips, the YouTube clips. I will go in and I'll find your YouTube clips and include that. Uh, but for right. Now with everything that's going on, and you know, a lot of a lot of our listeners um, have even a little extra time on their hands. So I, I say, why don't we just? It's not going to be movie related. I don't want to just keep it to just Patreon. I, I'm, I'm good to continue to give more to the Patreon while this is happening, uh, week in week out. But uh, I think we should give more to the actual feed as well. So let's uh, let's get together and uh, just shoot the shit. Not you know what? We should have a rule where we can't talk about movies. <laughs> no, that. no films, no film references. Yeah, none. I like that. Let's just talk. All right, beautiful. I we'll like do that. that. Maybe, maybe this weekend. All right. Well, until then. Really? What? I feel like there's more to be said. What is it? I, I, I said all the social media stuff. I thank people. I talked about uh, Patreon. I uh, feature artists. I, I don't know what else there's uh, except 